0: Chapter Eight of *The Man Who Found the Truth* by Leonid Nikolayevich Andreyev, translated by Herman Bernstein. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Eight. Last Sunday, a great misfortune occurred in our prison. The artist K, whom the reader knows already ended his life in suicide by flinging himself from the table with his head against the stone floor the fall and the force of the blow had been so skilfully calculated by the unfortunate young man that his skull was split in two the grief of the warden was indescribable having called me to the office the warden without shaking hands with me reproached me in angry and harsh terms for having deceived him and he regained his calm only after my hearty apologies and promises that such accidents would not happen again i promised to prepare a project for watching the criminals which would render suicide impossible the esteemed wife of the warden whose portrait remained unfinished was also grieved by the death of the artist of course i had not expected this outcome either although a few days before committing suicide had provoked in me a feeling of uneasiness upon entering his cell one morning and greeting him i noticed with amazement that he was sitting before his slate once more drawing human figures what does this mean my friend i inquired cautiously and how about the portrait of the second assistant the devil take it but you the devil take it after a pause i remarked distractedly your portrait of the warden is meeting with great success although some of the people who have seen it say that the right moustache is somewhat shorter than the left shorter yes shorter but in general they find that you caught the lightness very successfully k had put aside his slate-pencil and perfectly calm said tell your warden that i'm not going to paint that prison riff-raff any more after these words there was nothing left for me to do but to leave him which i decided to do but the artist who could not get along without giving vent to his effusions seized me by the hand and said with his usual enthusiasm just think of it old man what a horror every day a new repulsive face appears before me they sit and stare at me with their frog-like eyes what am i to do at first i laughed i even liked it but when the frog-like eyes stared at me every day i was seized with horror i was afraid they might start to quack indeed there was a certain fear even madness in the eyes of the artist the madness which shortly led him to his untimely grave old man it is necessary to have something beautiful do you understand me and the wife of the warden is she not i shall pass in silence the unbecoming expressions with which he spoke of the lady in his excitement i must however admit that to a certain extent the artist was right in his complaints i had been present several times at the sittings and noticed that all who had posed for the artist behaved rather unnaturally sincere and naive conscious of the importance of their position convinced that the features of their faces perpetuated upon the canvas would go down to posterity they exaggerated somewhat the qualities which are so characteristic of their high and responsible office in our prison a certain bombast of pose an exaggerated expression of stern authority an obvious consciousness of their own importance and noticeable contempt for those on whom their eyes were directed all this disfigured their kind and affable faces but i cannot understand what horrible features the artist found where there should have been a smile i was even indignant at the superficial attitude with which an artist who considered himself talented and sensible passed the people without noticing that a divine spark was glimmering in each one of them in the quest after some fantastic beauty he light-mindedly passed by the true beauties with which the human soul is filled i cannot help feeling sorry for those unfortunate people who like k because of a peculiar construction of their brains always turn their eyes towards the dark side whereas there is so much joy and light in our prison when i said this to k i heard to my regret the same stereotyped and indecent answer the devil take it all i could do was to shrug my shoulders suddenly changing his tone and bearing the artist turned to me seriously with a question which in my opinion was also indecent why do you lie old man i was astonished of course i lie well let it be the truth if you like but why i am looking and thinking why did you say that why my indulgent reader who knows well what the truth has cost me will readily understand my profound indignation i deliberately mention this audacious and other calumnious phrases to show in what an atmosphere of malice distrust and disrespect i have to plod along the hard road of suffering he insisted rudely i have had enough of your smiles tell me plainly why do you speak so then i admit i flared up you want to know why i speak the truth and i commit it to eternal anathema because fate has made me a victim of injustice and as a victim like him who took upon himself the great sin of the world and its great sufferings i wish to point out the way to mankind wretched egoist you know only yourself and your miserable art while i love mankind my anger grew i felt the veins on my forehead swelling fool miserable dauber unfortunate schoolboy in love with colors human beings pass before you and you see only their frog-like eyes how did your tongue turn to say such a thing Oh, if you only looked even once into the human soul what treasures of tenderness love humble faith holy humility you would have discovered there and to you bold man it would have seemed as if you entered a temple a bright illuminated temple but it is said of people like you do not cast your pearls before swine the artist was silent crushed by my angry and unrestrained speech finally he sighed and said forgive me old man i am talking nonsense of course but i am so unfortunate and so lonely of course my dear old man it is all true about the divine spark and about beauty but a polished boot is also beautiful i cannot i cannot just think of it how can a man have such moustaches as he has and yet he is complaining that the left moustache is shorter he laughed like a child and heaving a sigh added i'll make another attempt i will paint the lady there is really something good in her although she is after all a cow he laughed again and fearing to brush away with his sleeve the drawing on the slate he cautiously placed it in the corner here i did that which my duty compelled me to do seizing the slate i smashed it to pieces with a powerful blow i thought that the artist would rush upon me furiously but he did not to his weak mind my act seemed so blasphemous so supernaturally horrible that his death-like lips could not utter a word what have you done he asked at last in a low voice you have broken it and raising my hand i replied solemnly foolish youth i have done that which i would have done to my heart if it wanted to jest and mock me unfortunate youth can you not see that your art has long been mocking you that from that slate of yours the devil himself was making hideous faces at you yes the devil being far from your wonderful art i did not understand you at first nor your longing your horror of aimlessness but when i entered your cell to-day and noticed you at your ruinous occupation i said to myself it is better that he should not create at all than to create in this manner listen to me i then revealed for the first time to this youth the sacred formula of the iron grate, which Dividing the infinite into squares thereby subjects it to itself. Kay listened to my words with emotion, looking with the horror of an ignorant man at the figures which must have seemed to him to be cabalistic, but which were nothing else than the ordinary figures used in mathematics. I am your slave, old man he said at last kissing my hand with his cold lips no you will be my favourite pupil my son i bless you and it seemed to me that the artist was saved true he regarded me with great joy which could easily be explained by the extreme respect with which i inspired him and he painted the portrait of the warden's wife with such zeal and enthusiasm that the esteemed lady was sincerely moved and strange to say the artist succeeded in making so strangely beautiful the features of this woman who was stout and no longer young that the warden long accustomed to the face of his wife was greatly delighted by its new expression thus everything went on smoothly when suddenly this catastrophe occurred the entire horror of which i alone knew not desiring to call forth any unnecessary disputes i concealed from the warden the fact that on the eve of his death the artist had thrown a letter into my cell which i noticed only in the morning i did not preserve the note nor do i remember all that the unfortunate youth told me in his farewell message i think it was a letter of thanks for my effort to save him he wrote that he regretted sincerely that his failing strength did not permit him to avail himself of my instructions but one phrase impressed itself deeply in my memory and you will understand the reason for it when i repeat it in all its terrifying simplicity i am going away from your prison thus read the phrase and he really did go away here are the walls here is the little window in the door here is our prison but he is not there he has gone away consequently i too could go away instead of having wasted dozens of years on a titanic struggle instead of being tormented by the throes of despair instead of growing enfeebled by horror in the face of unsolved mysteries of striving to subject the world to my mind and my will i could have climbed the table and one instant of pain i would be free i would be triumphant over the lock and the walls over truth and falsehood over joys and sufferings i will not say that i had not thought of suicide before as a means of escaping from our prison but now for the first time it appeared before me in all its attractiveness in a fit of base faint-heartedness which i shall not conceal from my reader even as i do not conceal from him my good qualities perhaps even in a fit of temporary insanity i momentarily forgot all i knew about our prison and its great purpose i forgot i am ashamed to say even the great formula of the iron grate which i conceived and mastered with such difficulty and i prepared a noose made of my towel for the purpose of strangling myself but at the last moment when all was ready and it was but necessary to push away the taburet, i asked myself with my habit of reasoning which did not forsake me even at that time but where am i going the answer was i am going to death but what is death and the answer was I do not know." These brief reflections were enough for me to come to myself, and with a bitter laugh at my cowardice I removed the fatal noose from my neck. Just as I had been ready to sob for grief a minute before, so now I laughed. I laughed like a madman, realizing that another trap placed before me by derisive fate had so brilliantly been evaded by me oh how many traps there are in the life of man like a cunning fisherman fate catches him now with the alluring bait of some truth now with the hairy little worm of dark falsehood now with the phantom of life now with the phantom of death my dear young man my fascinating fool my charming silly fellow who told you that our prison ends here that from one prison you did not fall into another prison from which it will hardly be possible for you to run away you were too hasty my friend you forgot to ask me something else i would have told it to you i would have told you that omnipotent law reigns over that which you call non-existence and death just as it reigns over that which you call life and existence only the fools dying believe that they have made an end of themselves they have ended but one form of themselves in order to assume another form immediately thus i reflected laughing at the foolish suicide the ridiculous destroyer of the fetters of eternity and this is what i said addressing myself to my two silent room-mates hanging motionlessly on the white wall of my cell i believe and confess that our prison is immortal what do you say to this my friends but they were silent and having burst into good-natured laughter what quiet roommates i have i undressed slowly and gave myself to peaceful sleep in my dream i saw another majestic prison and wonderful jailers with white wings on their backs and the chief warden of the prison himself i do not remember whether there were any little windows in the doors or not but i think there were i recall that something like an angel's eye was fixed upon me with tender attention and love my indulgent reader will of course guess that i am jesting i did not dream at all i am not in the habit of dreaming without hoping that the warden occupied with pressing official affairs would understand me thoroughly and appreciate my idea concerning the impossibility of escaping from our prison i confined myself in my report to an indication of several ways in which suicides could be averted with magnanimous short-sightedness peculiar to busy and trusting people the warden failed to notice the weak points of my project and clasped my hand warmly expressing to me his gratitude in the name of our entire prison on that day i had the honour for the first time to drink a glass of tea at the home of the warden in the presence of his kind wife and charming children who called me grandpa tears of emotion which gathered in my eyes could but faintly express the feelings that came over me at the request of the warden's wife who took a deep interest in me i related in detail the story of the tragic murders which led me so unexpectedly and so terribly to the prison i could not find expressions strong enough there are no expressions strong enough in the human language to brand adequately the unknown criminal who not only murdered three helpless people but who mocked them brutally in a fit of blind and savage rage as the investigation and the autopsy showed the murderer dealt the last blows after the people had been dead it is very possible however even murderers should be given their due that the man intoxicated by the sight of blood ceased to be a human being and became a beast the son of chaos the child of dark and terrible desires it was characteristic that the murderer after having committed the crime drank wine and ate biscuits some of these were left on the table together with the marks of his blood-stained fingers but there was something so horrible that my mind could neither understand nor explain the murderer after lighting a cigar himself apparently moved by a feeling of strange kindness put a lighted cigar between the closed teeth of my father i had not recalled these details in many years they had almost been erased by the hand of time and now while relating them to my shocked listeners who would not believe that such horrors were possible i felt my face turning pale and my hair quivering on my head in an outburst of grief and anger i rose from my arm-chair and straightening myself to my full height i exclaimed justice on earth is often powerless but i implore heavenly justice i implore the justice of life which never forgives i implore all the higher laws under whose authority man lives may the guilty one not escape his deserved punishment his punishment moved by my sobs my listeners there and then expressed their zeal and readiness to work for my liberation and thus at least partly redeem the injustice heaped upon me i apologized and returned to my cell evidently my old organism cannot bear such agitations any longer besides it is hard even for a strong man to picture in his imagination certain images without risking the loss of his reason only in this way can i explain the strange hallucination which appeared before my fatigued eyes in the solitude of my cell as though benumbed i gazed aimlessly at the tightly closed door when suddenly it seemed to me that some one was standing behind me i had felt this deceptive sensation before so i did not turn around for some time but when i turned around at last i saw in the distance between the crucifix and my portrait about a quarter of a yard above the floor the body of my father as though hanging in the air it is hard for me to give the details for twilight had long set in but i can say with certainty that it was the image of a corpse and not of a living being although a cigar was smoking in its mouth to be more exact there was no smoke from the cigar but a faintly reddish light was seen it is characteristic that i did not sense the odor of tobacco either at that time or later i had long given up smoking here i must confess my weakness but the illusion was striking i commenced to speak to the hallucination advancing as closely as possible the body did not retreat as i approached but remained perfectly motionless i said to the ghost i thank you father you know how your son is suffering and you have come you have come to testify to my innocence i thank you father give me your hand and with a firm filial handclasp i will respond to your unexpected visit don't you want to let me have your hand give me your hand or i will call you a liar i stretched out my hand but of course the hallucination did not deem it worth a while to respond and i was forever deprived of the opportunity of feeling the touch of a ghost the cry which i uttered and which so upset my friend the jailer creating some confusion in the prison was called forth by the sudden disappearance of the phantom it was so sudden that the space and the place where the corpse had been seemed to me more terrible than the corpse itself such is the power of human imagination when excited it creates phantoms and visions peopling the bottomless and ever silent emptiness with them it is sad to admit that there are people however who believe in ghosts and build upon this belief nonsensical theories about certain relations between the world of the living and the enigmatic land inhabited by the dead I understand that the human ear and eye can be deceived, but how can the great and lucid human mind fall into such coarse and ridiculous deception? I asked the jailer, I feel a strange sensation, as though there were the odor of cigar smoke in my cell. Don't you smell it? the jailer sniffed the air conscientiously and replied no i don't you only imagined it if you need any confirmation here is a splendid proof that all i had seen if it existed at all existed only in the net of my eye end of chapter eight